I be that young Freddy Fly, smooth, glorious kid, a bad boy just like Notorious Big. I rock a fella like Sean Carter, with more game than Ron Harper. Oh, here goes. And welcome to episode 24 of Throwback Hoops. Woody V is in the house. Please tune in to our video show on YouTube or listen to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, we're available every, everywhere. You would have just heard me spit some bars from Big L's record featuring Tupac. Deadly combination where he drops Ron Harper's name. And as always, I'm joined by my main man, Robbie Clayton. And Robbie, Tupac and Big L were a deadly combination on the mic, weren't they? They sure were, mate. Um, great to be back. Yeah, they were an absolute deadly combination. Obviously, RIP to the two of them there. Um, still think Big L's a little bit slept on with some of his stuff there, Woods. Everyone definitely, knows Puck definitely. a lot more, but anyone sort of go and check out Big L if you haven't done so. He was an absolute genius on the mic. Thanks, Robbie. It's good to be back. And, uh, we're actually joined by a very special guest today, Robbie, on the show. And, you know, he's been covering basketball and other sports in various capacities over the years. Now he's one of the most respected F1 journalists in the country. He's also the host of the In the Fast Lane F1 podcast. He's probably the only LA Clippers fan that I know. Hence me, <laughs> hence me dropping Ron Harper's name in my intro. And he is the elder brother of my co-host, Robbie Clayton. Matt Clayton is in the house. Welcome to Throwback Hoops, my man. Gentlemen, it is a privilege to be on, and there must be something about me being on here for episode 24, because I thought you were going to do the old CJ McCollum thing, where you would name a player with the number of the episode of the show, and I figured episode 24, Jimmy King, I mm. thought that was probably the reason why I was on, but maybe it's just a coincidence. No, I should have mentioned Jimmy King for that. It's great to have you here, mate. We've been, been looking forward to this one. Yeah, looking forward to it, guys. I mean, it's I, I love the fact that you guys have a got this off the ground and just the quality of the guests that you've had so it's uh, it's nice to uh, be a little bit further down on the list than some of your bigger names but probably where i deserve to be i would have thought ah uh, don't say that matt you know you're just as worthy as all the <laughs> other guests and uh, no surprise you're good with numbers just like your younger brother man so uh, it runs in the family so you know you know matt when you come on our show it's it's tradition you know you gotta you gotta showcase a jersey you know or some sort of basketball memorabilia so what you got for us today homie well, before I do reveal anything, I'm probably a bit underqualified to be on this show simply because in my entire life, I've owned four NBA real jerseys. Uh, yep. Michael, uh, Michael Cooper LA Lakers one back when I was about 15 years old, which uh, I think was made out of polyester because I think it was more like a fire hazard than a jersey. So there was that one. I had a Joe Dumas Detroit Pistons. I had a Ron Harper Chicago Bulls, which is about as random as it can get. That's and a real one. A very random one. I only yep. had ever had one LA Clippers jersey, and it was a Danny Manning one. But we'll oh, get to awesome. that. But the jersey that I am rocking, which I will stand up and uh, display, I'll allow you guys to uh, take the, the viewers through it. So Matt's standing up, rocking a Jamal Crawford number 11 jersey. Loving that one. Pretty similar to what I'm wearing today. And, yeah, obviously we're big um, Jamal Crawford uh, fans, us Claytons, given he's played for the Clippers and the Hawks and had a lot of success there. So, yeah, liking that one, mate. He's played for a lot of teams. So when you look back at his basketball reference page, he might have had the best second-last game of anyone in the history of the NBA because everyone forgets that he actually played a game right at the very end for Brooklyn. That's right. In, in the bubble before he injured himself. But I think he had an excuse at that point. He was about 41 years old, but uh, he'd probably still get buckets about five years from now. You know, hey, has he filed his retirement papers yet or not? Or is he one of these guys that hasn't done it yet? 
he's never going to file his retirement papers. So I think the, the, the phone's always on charge with him. Someone will phone him up somewhere. He'll probably just come in stone cold out of some gym in Seattle and drop 20 on somebody, given the chance. Definitely. Yeah, Matt, I was just about to say, he's probably in Seattle somewhere, you know, hooping it up in some YMCA with someone yeah, right now. right now. Right, right, yeah, now. right <laughs> now. So, uh, no, that's really nice. So, th- thanks for that, Matt. And uh, Robbie, my man, it's Clippers Day today, right? It is Clippers Day. We thought we'd do that to, to honor Matt a little bit like that. So I've got the old Clippers double, I guess, today. So, look, hanging up behind me is obviously very similar to what you're going to show soon, Woody. It's a LA Clippers Ron Harper old school champion jersey there. So, yeah, shout out to the Ohio Flyer. Um, look, a little bit about Ron Harper. Played 15 seasons in the NBA. Played with the Cavs, Clippers, Bulls and Lakers. Of course, he was a five-time champ three with the Bulls and two with the Lakers. Yeah, and I thought it was only fitting I sort of wore this one today. And um, interestingly, boys, I don't know if you saw it, but Ron uh, Harper Jr. Uh, was playing in the NCAA tournament today for Rutgers where they lost in double overtime to Notre Dame. So he had a pretty good game as well. I think he was, you know, 25 points or something like that. So it's definitely a name to look out for and we might see him in the, the league sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, look, in terms of what I'm wearing today, so I'll just sort of stand up and show that, keeping the Jamal Crawford theme they're going anyway. Um, let, let the audience know what I'm wearing there, Woods. For sure. So Robbie's wearing uh, Adidas Lakers Jamal Crawford jersey, which I actually bought for him when I was at Staples Center some nine years ago on my honeymoon. So bo- both the brothers, <laughs> fans of JC, right? Thanks for getting me that one, Woods. I appreciate that one. Um, is, this one, is this one of those deals where like our mothers dressed us in the same outfit or something? I'm, well, this is probably the first time ever you and I have actually worn the same T-shirt. It's a bit like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty hey, cool. Mrs. C, I know you're going to be listening to this. What you doing, huh? What <laughs> you doing? Um, so look, a little bit about Jamal there, boys. So yeah, 20 seasons in the NBA after getting drafted by the Cavs at pick eight in the 2000 draft out of my favorite college team, Michigan. Uh, Crawford, known as Jay Crossover, played with nine different teams. His accolades include uh, three NBA six-man awards, which he won in 2010, 2014, and 2016. As we sort of um, alluded on, Crawford did also play in the bubble in 2020 at age 40. Um, He became the eighth player to play in at least 20 seasons. So, Woody, you know I love doing this, mate. Who are the other seven? Repeat that question. So the uh, Crawford became the eighth player to yep. play at least twenty seasons in the NBA. So give me the other seven. All right, um, Vince Carter, Dirk Nowitzki, um, Robert Parrish. Yep, it's a good one. Kobe Bryant. Yep, four, three to go. Help me out here, Matt. Help me out yep, here. Yeah, help me out. Kareem. Yep. Um, and uh, one, and a, a Hawks champion, and one of my favourite international players of all time. Um, why am I getting stumped here? Uh, international players. Actually, no, you, you said Dirk, did you? I did say Dirk. Okay, sorry. So, all right. So, an all-time hawk that we like, um, plus someone that was pretty relevant in the news about yesterday getting his jersey retired. Um, KG. Oh, KG. KG, yep. Who's the hawk? Woods, I thought this would have been the first Ooh, one you got. He was uh, Kevin Willis. Kevin, Kevin Willis. Willis. Uh, yeah, man. Mr. Fun. GQ himself. Yeah, so I thought that was a pretty good stat. Um, Did, yeah, interestingly about Jamal there, boys, when I looked into yeah. it, he only averaged over 20 points in one season, which I thought yeah. was a little bit strange. Um, and anyone tell me what team he was with when he averaged? Because it wasn't the Clippers and it wasn't the Hawks. Bull, Bulls, man, right? No, not the Bulls either. Golden Dang. State. No. Mm. I was surprised. It was the Knicks. So, yeah, okay, yeah, the season with the Knicks was the only time he sort of averaged over, over 20 there. So, I thought that was pretty cool. And um, on, on, that, on that Knicks thing, by the way, 
the, the stat that I know you're about to, t- to say is that he's the only player in NBA history to score 50 points with four different franchises. Sorry if I've stolen your thought. I wasn't going to say that, but I like that. I should have added okay. that to my notes. I should have conferred earlier. So, no, that's so, a great stat. So, Go- Golden State, Chicago, New York, and it wasn't the Clippers and it wasn't Atlanta. Who no, was it was at the very end of his career at the Sun. Phoenix. But, yeah, yeah, man. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. What, 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 a, I did find, what, what I did find, though, so he scored 52 points for the Knicks against Miami. In that game, he started 0-4. And then he made his next 16 field goals. <laughs> wow, unbelievable. And there was nothing like watching that guy absolutely going off, and that was the night of nights for him. It was good, too, because he's I mean, obviously such a good shooter, and he's pretty sneaky height, and he's pretty sort of lean build and stuff like that. And he used to jump quite high on his shots as well. So, yeah, definitely fun to watch. Um, Woods, you know I always like to show a bobblehead when I'm rocking a jersey, right? So for sure, I man. thought I'd show a nice one tonight. You probably haven't even seen this one, actually. Jamal Crawford with the Clippers holding up his three <laughs> six-man of the year trophies that he's got there. So that's a nice looking. I think I might have actually seen that, that in your place, bro. But yeah, Jamal's yeah, liking that one. Right. So no, nah, all good. Well, Woods, why don't you take us away and show us who you're rocking today? Yeah, sure. I'll just stand up, and one of you guys can yeah, take the audience through that. Yeah. So Woody's standing up wearing the red LA Clippers number five Danny Manning jersey. So, yeah, it goes well with the number four next to it. We're just saying they've got giant numbers on the back of those jerseys, which are a little bit strange, a giant number five there. Danny Manning Woods, as we know, someone that you like and I absolutely just absolutely despise. So, yeah, what do you got to say about him? All our listeners are going to know, know, that. know all, all about that. But, um, no, this interesting story. Um, my dad actually took me to the forum in Inglewood back in 92. It was soon after the announcement when um, Magic Johnson had you know, announced his tested positive HIV. Mm. And it was the Clippers-Lakers game, right? Lakers home game. Um, and Ron Harper was playing, um, you know, Charles Smith, Danny Manning, and Stanley Roberts, who I think we'll speak about a little bit later, Matt. So, <laughs> yeah, um, And, yeah, I just fell in love with his game. He had a massive game that day. He was getting every rebound. And, you know, um, I think he had about a 30-piece that night. And the Clippers actually won that game, you know. It was, uh, you know, Vladdy Divac and those guys on the Lakers back then, right? So um, you could have become a Clippers fan, Woods. Is that what you're saying? I, I could have. I mean, I was a Jordan guy back then, but the first NBA mm. game I went to was was at that old stadium, and it was just a great experience. And me, uh, my dad, and and Abe, my younger brother, really enjoyed it. And so, yeah, I kind of like had an affinity towards him. Just a quick um, few things about his accolades. He he was uh, went to Kansas. Uh, he was the first pick in the '88 uh, NBA draft, which was men- mentioned in the past. Um, he played for many teams, most notably the Clippers, uh, a very short stint at the Atlanta Hawks, as we, as, as we know, Robbie. Um, but yeah, two-time NBA All-Star, 93-94, NBA Sixth Man of the Year in 1998. I think that might have been at the Phoenix Suns, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. NCAA champion in 1988, um, and his number, five, uh, number 25 jersey is retired by, um, by Kansas. So that's Danny Manning for you. Solid career, right? Great career. I mean, he probably never lived up to the expectations everyone thought he, he would get to. But, you know, you look back on, on what he did and um, he did have a, a, a very good career. Mm. Cool. So thanks, guys. I uh, really appreciate you, you all sharing that, uh, your jerseys with us. And it's nice that we followed that, that Clippers te- theme today. Right, guys? We did. All dressed in red. Looking good, boys. I know. Definitely. And uh, Matt, I also got the Clippers hat for oh. you, man. Very good, like it. You got more. You got more Clippers merchandise than I do. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I thought we'd start off by getting into a little bit of q and A Q&A with with Matt. You ready to chop it up with us today? Let's do it. All right. All right. So let's get to it, Matt. Um, firstly, I want to start by 
asking you. I mean, I mean you've been, I mentioned it earlier in, in the intro, um, you've been involved in, in covering basketball over the years, both the NBA and NBL. Tell us a little bit about that and how, how that first opportunity originated and, and some of your experiences. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Like, well, if it sounds like a long list of things, it's mostly just because I'm old these days. It's just, you know, the older you get, the longer the list gets. I don't know if it's any better, but it's just more things to add to it. But I have pretty much been a journalist now for the best part of 30 years. I think it's 29 this year. And sport was always the thing that I was hoping to go down the path of. But it's obviously so difficult to to get involved in that. So from a very early time, I was trying to sort of do some sports stuff on the side for whoever would, would take it. So I'm a, I'm a print journalist, I'm a writer by trade, but I think when you get into this business, you can't afford to specialize too much. You need to have a reasonably diverse skill set. So I would be looking to do anything I could that I could do with some basketball stuff, whether it was doing some radio, doing some writing, doing whatever it was. But I guess my first big sort of opportunity to do stuff on the NBA side of things, myself and a couple of other journo mates, we ran some tours to the US yep. in the mid 90s, where the big hook was we had, because we knew Luke Longley, and we were able to get Bulls tickets. So seeing Jordan at that time for Australians was the biggest thing you could possibly imagine. For sure, man. Yeah. We managed to cobble together some tickets for other games. So we would do some crazy stuff. Like we'd go to the US and we'd see nine games in 12 nights in three <laughs> cities. It was crazy. Like we'd go to Miami, we'd go to Orlando, we'd go to New York and go to Knicks and Nets games. But the big one was getting to Chicago, having Luke there, and then seeing we'd be there for a week where the Bulls were playing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And you'd see Jordan three times in a row. You pray that it wasn't a blowout where he was going to sit the second half, which actually did happen to us one time. It was the worst possible thing. So we all had our media access. So we were sitting right by the court. And then the others that traveled with us were sort of up in the nosebleeds or wherever yep. we could get them. And it was on one of those trips that I did quite a big piece with Patrick Ewing for a magazine back in Sydney who absolutely hated the story and didn't run it. It was the wow. most embarrassing They still paid you though, right? They, they still paid me. They paid, nice. me, they, paid me what's, they paid me what's called in the trade as a kill fee. So it was so bad, they didn't <laughs> want to publish it, but they actually gave me some money for me to go away. So I didn't take, uh, I didn't take that as a, as a bad thing necessarily. Uh, I just sort of kept persisting with it. And over the years, Woods, you know, without reading my entire CV here, it's sort of yep. turned into one of those things where some writing for magazines turned into doing newspaper stuff down in Melbourne for the Herald Sun and the Daily Telegraph, doing some NBA stuff. Stuff. And even just looking through some old um, recordings and bits and pieces before I jumped on here tonight, I probably underestimate how many of the big guys from that era that I did big one-on-ones with, uh, sit-downs with. So Baron Davis, uh, Kevin Garnett, Grant Hill, uh, who else was on there? Vince Carter was on there. Uh, who else was there? Ray Allen, who was the one that surprised me the most because I thought Ray Allen would be the nicest guy in the world. And the day that I interviewed him, there was a story that had come out that he'd gotten into quite a an argument or maybe even a fight at a US a team USA practice in Sydney for the Olympics with Gary Payton. That'll shock you to know that. <laughs> and so I think that I think that day that story had come out. So Ray Allen, it was about the rudest five minutes on the phone I'd ever spent with anybody, but I did manage to get something out of it. But um look over the years it turned into something that, you know, I was able to get to the nineteen ninety seven NBA finals, uh the yep. fifth of the Chicago Six Championships, which I'm sure we'll speak on at some point. Doing some radio for that and some magazine pieces really sort of opened the door for me to do a whole bunch of things in the years coming back. And, uh, you know, it's been a while since I've been really knee deep into basketball, but that was where I sort of first got my sports journalism side on, I guess. 
Yeah, and from an NBL perspective as well, Matt, I, I remember first hearing yes. about you working in the NBL, doing radio with Leonard Copeland a long time ago when Robbie and me first became friends. So um, in addition to all those big names that you mentioned over there in the USA, you've had quite a, a role to play in, in, in the media with the NBL as well, right? So. MB, NBL radio was absolutely fantastic. I think it was, I'm guessing, like 2010, 11-ish sort of era, and it was one of those things we'd have a different colour commentator on it, be Mark Bradkey, be Leonard Copeland. We had Mal Hollywood Cooper in there. Remember the right, old yeah. Mal Cooper, good he was on there. Yeah, Luke, was. Luke, Luke Cooper's dad, right? I believe so. Yeah. And uh, and so my job was to be the sideline reporter. So it's it's literally doing live radio on a high wire. You've got no script. You're literally in the back of the timeouts trying to decipher plays. And the most fun thing that we did on that, there was a seven-minute section at halftime where we didn't plan anything. And my role was to find someone in the crowd and go and talk to them for seven minutes, having not even introduced myself before. And I literally had about 90 seconds to find somebody. So you can imagine what that was like at halftime. You're scanning the crowd, trying to find a familiar face. And I think the best one that I did was I found David Patrick one day. It was when he was uh, involved with LSU and I knew all the backstory with Ben Simmons and what have you. And I literally went up to him sitting in the front row and introduced myself. I said, oh, would you like to do a radio interview? He's like, sure, when would you like to do that? And I've got the producer in my ear counting down from 10. I said, oh, how about 10 seconds from now? <laughs> and he's like, uh, yeah, okay. And we just did this interview completely off the top. And that was one of those ones like, yeah, thank God I actually knew a little bit about him and could sustain a conversation. Look, he played along. He was a great sport. But there was something about doing radio that was quite cool because it was complete seat of the pants, completely unscripted, and you had the best seat in the house to watch the NBL. Yeah, yeah, thanks, man. I think um, we'll touch on it a little bit later, but um, what you're doing right now, those experiences that you garnered doing radio have definitely helped you in, in, in the rest of your career. So let's jump to that in a minute. But um, before I do that, I know you mentioned earlier we're going to talk about 97, right? That NBA, that NBA uh, finals that you covered and um, you saw the MJ flu game. And you know, spe- you want to speak on that a little bit? You right? saw yeah. every game of that series too, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, Yeah. look, we, the weirdest part about that is, is there are only two Australian journalists that went over there, myself and Tim Morrissey, former Sydney King, now <laughs> working for News Limited, still in uh, in Sydney. So he and I went over there. Speaking and of good hair. Like correct. And, and this is pre-internet. We flew, we knew, we knew Chicago was in the Eastern Conference Finals. Game seven of Utah and Houston was happening while we were flying. So we didn't actually know where we were going for game oh, one. So we turned up in LA and you know, no one had smartphones in those days. We literally went and bought a copy of the newspaper and went, oh, Utah beat Houston. It was the John Stockton shot, mm. the famous John Stockton yep. shot in Houston. And we knew, oh, I guess we're going to Utah then. So we were there for the, for the entire series. And look, I mean, there was the, the, the first game of that series, Jordan made a game-winning elbow jump shot. And that was the famous Scotty Pippen, the mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays yep, quote. That was that game. Yep. And then as that series went along, the games in Utah, I've never heard a crowd louder, even to this day, at any, at any sporting event. It was insane. It was like standing next to an airline runway. It was actually a bit scary with how loud it was. Is that the same gym they play in there now, Matt? Correct. It was called the Delta Center. Yeah. It's called the Vivint Arena or whatever it is. But mm. Woods, I know you'll enjoy this. I'm not a sentimental person when it comes yep. to doing these trips. I don't you know, take photos or do any of those sorts of things. The only thing I've done over the years is I've kept every single media credential I've ever had for anything. So hanging up on the other side of the office here, there's just 30 years of passes and things that have been around my neck. But the one that I did keep, that I've got props for you guys tonight, this game right here. Wow. This is the media pass for the flu game. And I think the the amazing part about that game was 
we'd struck up a reasonable relationship with Steve Kerr and Judd Bushler because they used to hang out with Luke all the time. Yep. And we were talking to Bushler about half an hour before the warm-up started, and he just looked, you know, ashen-faced. It's like, what's going on? He's like, man, MJ's sick. I don't even know if MJ can play. And we're like, okay. We thought they were just bluffing. I've never seen a guy look more ill in my life in the warm-ups to that game. He was blinking his eyes like the lights were too bright for him. We didn't know exactly what was going on at the time. And they were getting annihilated in the first half of that game. They had absolutely nothing. Watching a guy put a team on his back in game five of a 2-2 series and then just watching the reaction of his teammates afterwards, all these hardened professionals who are really... They're not easy to impress these guys. Just literally skipping and running off the floor, shaking their heads, going, what did we just see? Because he just dragged them over the line. Then, of course, that series finished in game six with the famous, you know, Steve Kerr elbow jump shot. You know, you pass it to me, I'll make it, Steve Kerr in the timeout. And, and the city went nuts. But being there for game five of that series and see a guy who was that physically talented just through sheer force of will drag a team over the line in about the most hostile environment imaginable, it was pretty special. Very cool. I remember being a young kid at the time when you were over there covering it. And I don't know, was it 2GB or whatever station you were covering it two, for? 2UE. Two two, two two UE, that's right. So yeah, yeah, I used yeah. to log on. I'd turn the radio on every day at you know 6 o'clock and I'd hear you come on and sort of give a report. And, yeah, normally I didn't <laughs> even know the score by the time you were coming on. So, yeah, definitely remember those days. Yeah, I did a few of those radio reports standing in uh, airports on pay phones and all sorts of bizarre things. There were some pretty random days going Pretty on. sure the guy that interviewed you on the radio had never watched a game of basketball in his life as well, right? No, I think there were two sports on his agenda. One was called Rugby League and the other one was called Rugby League. But there nice. <laughs> so, Robbie, maybe I'll jump to you then. Listen to Big Bro on the radio back then. You must have been pretty proud, right? Oh, absolutely, totally proud. And just, yeah, just in awe that he was sort of, you know, traveling between Chicago and Utah to, to see these games and to see Jordan and see Luke and, and all these sort of things like that was was amazing. And as I, you know, mentioned, I think on the Sport Blokes podcast, Woods, I still haven't seen a live NBA game as ridiculous as that may sound. So, hearing all these stories about it from Matt, and even now, it's just like, man, I've. I can't believe I've still never seen a game, but nah, very, very proud of what he did there and a little bit jealous as well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll be watching the game together one day, man, in the not too distant future, man. So uh, looking no, forward no. to that. All right, so let, let's jump. That's a pretty good segue, right? I mean, the two of you, is, there's no you know secret here that the, the one thing that has bound that relationship together over the years is your love for the AFL, your love for basketball. Matt, maybe let me jump to you and, and ask you, like, Tell me about that relationship that you two have and how much of a role sport has played in that over the years. Yeah, it's interesting in that you know, we grew up in Perth originally and there's a five-year age difference between us. So it wasn't until we probably moved to the East Coast. I was 15, I think. So you must have been about 10 roughly. And we weren't actually, I would say, particularly close at that point until we moved to the other side of the country. And I think it was just about the time that you were really starting to play yourself uh, I knew at the age of 13, 14 that I, w- I knew what I wanted to do career-wise. I was very focused on what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a journalist. I knew that was the path I was going to take. And the sport thing was something that was always big for me. So I think, you know, the sport thing underpinned a lot of our relationship for a lot of years. And, you know, I I coached Robbie in his early days. It got to the point where he just got better and better. I remember we used to have some fairly aggressive games of one-on-one in the backyard until I couldn't mm. beat him anymore. And then those games stopped. But uh, You started getting more aggressive as I was getting better, I seem to remember. And that's, yeah, there's probably a correlation to that, yeah. yeah. And, um, and then I think, you know, we actually had you playing senior men's at 15 because you were tall enough and you were good enough. And, uh, you know, I think we played together for a, for a number of years and there was a fair bit of, um, 
ESP, I guess, you know, we, we always played particularly well together, I think, because mm. both of us knew exactly where the other was on the court all the time, which was great fun. But what's strange is that we've supported the same teams in every sport except the NBA, which is quite weird because there's very rarely do we ever have conflicts when it comes to sport. It's just the <laughs> twice a year Atlanta Clippers games and it's yep. not even particularly fractious when they even play each other. That's true. Well, I heard that when you were over here at Christmas, the well, I remember the Clippers Hawks game was about four a.m. in the morning, so uh, you guys didn't get a chance to watch that, wasn't that? That's wasn't right. that right? Yeah. yeah, that sounds right. Then they played last week, and the Hawks managed to get that one. Yeah, yeah, I saw. I, I wasn't going to mention that, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and it's terrific to see both of you, um, Matt with with Jasmine and and Robbie more recently with Emily, passing on that love for the game of basketball to your daughters. So, um, yeah, you want to speak on that one of you guys a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, actually, in that, you know, I was still playing up until about three years ago. So, you know, well into my mid-40s at this point, stumbling around and, you know, all the charges that I took when I was about 20 years old, I wish I yep. had taken them on some of the mornings after that because I was pretty <laughs> fond of taking a few charges back in the day. But I think it's one of those things that, and Robbie will speak to this too, you, you know, when your kid finds it organically, like it can be around and it can be on the TV and you can be playing or watching it. But if they find it for themselves, then it becomes their thing as much as it's yours. And I think that's the, that's the key thing. I think if, it, if it's forced upon a kid, they're probably likely to resist it a bit more. But if they do find it themselves and find their own way, then it's something that lasts a, a longer time. I totally agree with that. It's sort of nice seeing them sort of, you know, get their little passion and everything for it. I think you're right. I mean, I sort of got my daughter into it and sort of did not care whether she loved or hated it, to be honest. I just wanted to see if she gave it a go. And she absolutely loves it now. She's probably on her, on her second year of playing now. So, no, I'm, I'm, it's, it's great to see. Yeah, it is cool. Awesome to hear, guys. Awesome to hear. Um, all right. Th- thanks for that. Um, so maybe I'll just move on to a, to a question. I've been waiting to ask Matt, right? Um, and, and when I send out the run sheet for the episode, I, I said, you know, I know you got a Bo Outlaw story, man, you know, speak on it. I want to hear about it. He said, Woody, man, you know, it's not just a Bo Outlaw story. It's a general discussion about a strange 24 hours, which you spent in Anaheim, where the Clippers play the Spurs. Am I right in saying that? This is honestly one. I think back about it now and about the 10 random things that happened on this night. So this was probably, I'm guessing like 96 or something. The Clippers were playing in the old LA Sports Arena, which was uh, attached to USC which was in about the dodgiest part of L.A. you could possibly imagine. So a few years earlier is where they'd had the riots, the L.A. riots in Watts. Yep. And I think I think most things were still burnt to the ground. It was a bit of a mess. <laughs> so they used to play most of their home games there, and it wasn't a great place to go to. But every now and then, they'd play these games down in Anaheim at the Pond, which is where the Mighty Ducks were playing in the yep. NHL. Beautiful stadium, but it was, just wasn't the, the Clippers. But they were playing down there. And so we're staying in about the Odie Hotel near the stadium, thinking that, you know, who else is going to be there? And out of the lift basically comes the entire Clippers team on the night before the game because they're staying in the same hotel because it's the only hotel that's of a decent enough quality. So just random guys from that night, I remember just being in the bar and eating and bits and pieces. Stanley Roberts, who was a larger-than-life character in every sense of the word, (laughs) literally walked in the bar, looked at how many people were in there, which was probably about 150, and said, all right, I'm buying drinks for everybody and just put his credit card on the the table. So everyone's sitting drinking with like, with Stanley Roberts. Rodney Rogers was in there. I do remember that. The Bo Outlaw was in there. Eric Pikowski was on that team. I think he might have been the one white guy. I know, actually, Brent Barry was on that team too. Brent Barry oh, yeah. was there. So the entire team's gathering around this group of sort of 10 or 12 Aussies as we're all sort of in this bar. I was like, what is going on? So we go to the game the next day. They're playing the Spurs. And this is David Apex David Robinson. Yep. And the Spurs were really good, and it won't shock you to know the Clippers were really bad. 
and it was one of those games where I think it was like, you know, Wednesday night and the Spurs have been on the road for a week and they just weren't up for it at all. It's not interested. So the Clippers get out to this lead. Everyone's like, hmm, they might actually win this game. We're sitting on the press bench and the Spurs at that time being coached by Bob Hill. Yep. Pre, Pre-Popovich, to show you how far back this goes. Mm-hmm. And they must have been down like 18 in the third quarter. And Bob Hill does the buttons up on his suit jacket and walks up to the press bench and says, gentlemen, have a good night. I'm about to get myself ejected. Because <laughs> he was just trying to fire his team up. We're like, is this guy serious? And the next dead ball, he walked literally into the middle of the floor and just F-bombed all three officials. <laughs> and, and, they, and they just like, you're out of here. And they just marched him. And he literally turned around and gave us a wave, like, I've done this for motivational purposes. Of course, the Spurs then go on an 18-0 run to tie the game. So it obviously worked from that point of view. But the Clippers fell over the line and actually, in spite of themselves, won that game. But that was one of those games I remember Bob Hill telegraphing that he was going to get thrown out of it and then watching David Robinson get fired up for five minutes when he was probably the biggest physical specimen in the league. There were guys, big guys, uh, Rodney Rogers, Stanley Robertson, these guys, just bouncing off him as he was just two foot in the paint and dunking on guys' heads and finishing alley-oops. And it's like, holy hell. He had muscles back in the day before people had muscles, didn't he, David Robertson? He he was just cut out of a piece of granite, that guy. And that was before guys were really into all the nauseous stuff and the the lifting. And that just gave me an example of like, I remember I've heard Bill Simmons say this before when he used to walk out of the tunnel for the annual visit they'd make at Boston Garden. The crowd would just hush and go, oh, boy. (laughs) <laughs> and he just had that sort of physical presence about him. But, uh, yeah, about as random a night, Woods, as you could possibly get at a basketball game, I think. Hey, Matt, was Dominique playing for the Spurs that night? Uh, he was not. Uh, Chuck Person and Doc Rivers were the only two guys that got off the bench that night. I did go and find the box score. Wow, interesting. interesting. So that would have been 97, yeah? 98, maybe? Uh, I, reckon, I reckon it might be 96. 96. But, uh, I, I, I stand corrected. But, yeah, it was... Uh, a lot of, yeah, Rodney, Pooh Richardson at the point oh, for the I Clippers. love Pooh, love Pooh. Uh, Tony Mazenberg, maybe. Was Loy Fort still there yeah, as well? Lo- yeah, Loy Fort was good. That was yeah. mm, he's was probably your really best player there. Yeah. He probably was, yeah. They were a bad team, I tell you. Terry DeHair was on that team. Oh, yeah. Um, what a legend. Yeah, some, some, some good names. Lamont Murray. So, I mean, all right, I love the story, but what happened with Bo Outlaw, man? Man, I tell you, there was just one of those things that he's buying people drinks and then we're at dinner and then there's other people and then we're out somewhere else and it all was a bit hazy by the end of it. But uh, it was, it was uh, an interest. He was a guy who I think he bounced around, like played some CBA and he played in Europe maybe. And I think he was, he was a, the guy he reminds me of these days, he's like a, an old school version of Montrez Harrell. Yeah. Under, mm. Undersized, big, huge motor. One of those guys that in the regular season, you're just like, oh, I just don't really want to box this guy out tonight. He's really annoying. You got to the playoffs when you could scout him and everything, and he was no good. But he certainly maximized his time on the court, and he maximized it off the court as well. <laughs> nice. And uh, you enjoyed some of his company off, in that off the court maximizing time, I, I hear. It, it was an amusing <laughs> night, yes. <laughs> awesome, man. Great story. Great story. So I think. Um, well, thanks for that, Matt. Really appreciate it and awesome to hear some of these stories um, going back, right? So I think it's a, a good time for us to jump into a, I mean, we always do Hawks talk on this show, Robbie, right? Mm. But I mean, like, we can do Hawks talk today, you know? Because I lost or because we've got a, a Clippers fan as a guest? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at us, man. Look at us. We're all wearing Clippers stuff. True, and, true. You know, it's, it's, it's time to do Clippers talk today, right? Let's call it. We did heat, we did heat, the heat beat, didn't we? That's with, right. With, uh, with Jaden Oakley. I'm trying to think of words that rhyme with clippers, and I'm sort of drawing a bit of a blank. But yeah. clippers, clippers chat. How about clippers that? chat. Yeah, all that. right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that'll do. That's fine. All <laughs> right. All right. So I want to kick it off with, and I'll throw it to you, Matt. You know, at the time of recording, you know, the Clippers are eighth in the West, 36-36. 
36 and 36 lost to Toronto today. Um, it's Thursday, the 17th of March. Um, so, you know, we know that, you know, Kawhi and Paul George missing last... Kawhi's out. Paul George missed large parts of the season. But it's fair to say they've exceeded, uh, exceeded expectations. And, and, and Coach Lou is doing a great job with this group, right? Definitely. Yeah, I agree. I think you look at what they don't have. And even the fact they made that trade with Portland. They had Norman Powell for three games. He played really well. And then he got a stress fracture at his foot. So he's been out. And they've had guys out the whole year. But they keep... There's a... They've had that many crazy comebacks this year. Like that 35-point comeback in Washington, which is yep. still like a one-in-a-million shot to win a game like that. And I think when you do that once, it can be considered a fluke. But when you do it multiple times like they have, there's a, there's a good character to that group. They're a little bit under-talented. Yep. There's a few guys that are playing roles that are probably too big for their skill set. There's a few guys that think they're the best player in the league, like Reggie Jackson. <laughs> uh, and once in every eight games when he's actually got it really going, he does look like an absolute all-star. He does, yeah. But but I think they've incredibly over, overachieved this year given, you know, Kawhi's not played a game and Paul George hasn't played since the middle of December. And so hey, Matt, anything... how many other teams could not have their two best players for basically the whole season and still be, you know, like, you know, 500 and playing the way they are? I mean, I said to you, Woods, imagine like LeBron was out. So the Lakers didn't have LeBron and Anthony Davis. I mean, they'd be yeah. like at Sacramento Kings levels, wouldn't they, winning sort of 18 yeah, games? So yeah, I mean, credit to Tyron Lue, I think, oh, definitely. Yeah, I was just about to say, Ty Lue, he's, he's a great uh, man manager. You know, he's good with people um, and his ability to bring this team together, even when, you know, as, as you mentioned, the two stars are out. It's just been incredible. So, yeah. I've just been really impressed with some of the guys that have stepped in and played bigger roles. Like a couple of years ago, someone like Terrence Mann, he's like, yep. you know, the 11th or 12th guy on a roster. He, like, he got some junk time in the bubble when they didn't need to win games. Sure. He's actually a serious NBA rotation player now. You've got guys like Kennard, who everyone's tried to turn Luke Kennard into a point guard and this and that. It's like, come off the bench, we'll run some staggers for you, shoot the basketball. It's a very simple job description. He's incredibly good at it. Yep. And Lou gets guys to star in their role, which I think is, you know, with the NBA, everyone can play, but it's getting guys to believe they can do what they can do. But the one guy we haven't mentioned yet is a guy that I love because he just seems like he tries so hard every single game is Ivica Zubats. Yep. He seems like an incredibly popular player amongst his peers. I love Patrick Beverly turning up to watch that game on an off night. Yeah. That was great, wasn't it? That was, sick, yeah. that was just so cool. And he's the sort of guy that I think because he just he gives it his absolutely everything because he's not the most athletic guy or the most skilled guy. But he's a guy who works and wills himself into games. And, yeah, he'll get played off the floor occasionally because it's hard for him to... Every time he plays Luka Doncic, it's almost unfair because Doncic is just killing him on those switches at the top. Yep. But you get him in a game where he can throw his weight around. And you look at some of the numbers he's put up this year. You look at a box score and it's 20 and 15 and you're not surprised Definitely. anymore. He's so another he's one of those guys that Lakers gave up on as well, just quietly, boys. I believe he was traded oh. for old, <laughs> yeah. old mate uh, Mike Moose Muscala. So... Just another dreadful move by the Lakers. It's probably still annoying them now, I'd say. That might only be the fifth worst trade the Lakers have done in the last five years, which is the scary part about it. <laughs> yep. And, I mean, even a guy like Batum, you know, we thought he might have been done in, in Charlotte. He's a veteran. He's come in here. And a lot of these young guys, you know, you require a few veterans in that locker room that's going to help. And I think he's done a really good job and revived his career nicely in, in, in L.A., in at the Clippers, right? But, and he's yeah. a winning player too, yep. Batum. And I think you see he's one of those guys that 
and I've obviously I've covered a lot of international stuff, so I've watched him internationally. Yep. He's the guy that the box score never does justice to what For he sure. does because he's a ball mover. He makes quick decisions. He's good on switches. He is a good help defender. He can get a defensive rebound, initiate the break. He can make a he can make a trail three. But the thing for me, Woody, is I look at when they get those guys back next year. Yep. Think of the length that they can have defensively with Batum, George, Kawhi, Robert Covington. Mm-hmm. They are long. And oh man, Terrence yeah. Mann's a really good defender. Reggie Jackson's got like a six-eight wingspan for a six-four guy. Defensively, they could be an absolute nightmare if they can actually get most of those guys on the floor at the oh, same time. Totally, man. Yeah, totally. And um, I mean, you spoke about those guys, Kawhi and uh, and PG, and uh, I'll just read a quick quick quote to you guys from Tyrone Lue. Right? He said, "I'm tired of hearing this shit." Well, Ty Lue said that. When they're playing, I'll let you all know. I'm tired of about talking to them every day, you know? We've got to talk about Kawhi and PG all the time. Talk about these guys in the locker room that are fr- fighting and claw- clawing every single day. So what Ty Lu is kind of saying is like, all right, man, you know, I know this is a recurring theme. We keep speaking about these guys, but we've got a bunch of guys here that, that are giving their all every day, um, and we should be proud of what they've done so far. But having said all of that, all right? Yeah, when are they coming back? <laughs> exactly, Matt. <laughs> they, they make that playoffs uh, in, in an eighth seed, probably looking like an eighth seed now, guys. I mean, they're well, not probably going to climb to seven. They're not going to fall down to ninth. Um, is there a chance that both these guys will be available for playoff run, Matt? I would say... Absolutely none for Kawhi and very unlikely for Paul George. Okay. It looks it looks like they're kind of locked into a playing game with Minnesota. Yeah. It kind of seems to be the way it's looking. They're probably too far away to catch Minnesota. They've got too much of a gap on whatever's behind them. So, look, could they could they get themselves into a first round? Yeah, I reckon they probably could. I'm not sure. I mean, look, I think Phoenix are too smart and too deep and too organised for a team with that oh, yeah. talent ceiling to, to beat them in a series. But I can see them winning through a play-in because Minnesota is going to have a lot of expectation playing at home in a one-shot game. Clippers have got no one that can guard Carl Anthony. Towers. I can see Cat going off in that, in that game. Well, and, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you could say that about anybody. He can kind of do what he wants if he's in the mood for it. And obviously the, the Patrick Beverly card is going to be interesting in that game if it happens. But, mm. um, you know, there's some guys on that Clippers team, like irrational confidence guys, like Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson who think, yeah, I'm the best guy on the floor here and they might just do it for one night because that's all it is. Yeah, so just cool. looking at that Eastern Conference right now, so we've got, um, sorry, Western Conference right now, we've got the Lakers in nine, Pelicans in ten, Clippers in eight and Timberwolves in seven. How would that work? Wouldn't it be... Um, seven, eight. Seven, eight, eight. So, yeah. yeah. So seven, seven, eight is basically winner of that wins the seventh seed. The loser plays the winner of nine, ten. Okay, gotcha. Yep. So they would be going up against Timberwolves in that in that play and to start you, you, off. You, as would, you, said. you would ex- you would expect so. It looks yeah, like can, it's, it's pretty locked in. Everyone else is too far out. Portland aren't trying to win anymore. They're too far. No one's going to catch that sort of whoever finishes out of Denver and Dallas in that sixth spot wherever they end up. So they're kind of locked into this Minnesota matchup. It seems with about ten games left. Right. Yeah. Are. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it's awesome. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, as we progress through the playoffs. Okay, I think this playing thing has created a whole different thing. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing how that all turns hey, out. We, both of our um, teams might be in the, the play the yeah, playing series this year. Sure. Looking very, yeah, for, so for sure. Hopefully we like the format. Mm. All right, um, I think the NBL's heating up, guys. Let's move, move on to some NBL talk, shall we? Let's right, Because we got to a, a, a time in the season where these top five teams are all jostling for spots, right? And I think this round is going to be really, really important. So... I think I'm going to throw over to you, Robbie, and uh, maybe you can take us through things. Can you see that on the screen in front of you guys? Thanks, Woods, for putting it up there. Hey, I just wanted to say one thing before we started talking about this round. I wanted to talk about Monday night's game, right? 
in Tasmania <laughs> between New Zealand and the Wildcats because that was a special game of basketball. Um, you know, Vic Law getting 39 points, just hitting every sort of mid-range shot. Bryce Cotton obviously doing what he did to win that game. That was... That was one of the more exciting games I've seen for many a year, I reckon, that one. That was really good to see. Um, I actually went onto my Foxtel IQ and pressed the old blue keep button the other day, which I never normally do, because I thought, you know what? I want to go back and watch that game in three months or six months or one year or something. That was a, a special game. What did you boys think of that game? Oh, man. Like, New Zealand played well enough to beat any other team on just about any other night. It's just as long as that team doesn't have Bryce Cotton, then they probably win that game. And, you know, the quality, the longer the game went, and the bigger the stakes were, the quality of that game just got better and better and better. And that Perth would play 20 seconds of unbelievable defense and New Zealand would drive, kick, 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 someone would make a corner three. It's like, you can't play better defense than that. And so the quality of it just culminated with an absolutely ridiculous finish. But the game of the season, it was just a shame there was no one there watching it. It really was, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would have preferred, you know, 500 people that would have sort of enjoyed that rather than just seeing all those you know, black things covering the seats. But yeah. anyway, well, look, I guess that takes us to, to this round now. So, look, it's a pretty big week, actually, this round. We've got seven games in four days. So um, as Woody mentioned at the time of recording, it is uh, Thursday night, the 17th of March. So there is a game on right now, the, the Hawks against uh, South East Melbourne, so we'll kind of skip over that one. I'll hopefully be, be watching the, the replay of that later, but look, I guess Friday night's game, we've got, well, it's not really a blockbuster or anything. This one, it seems like we get a lot of these games at the moment, you sort of Adelaide's, New Zealand's, Cairns and that, but tomorrow night we've got Adelaide and Cairns. Um, Woody, what are your thoughts on that game? Look, I thought Cairns, is, you know, they're my second favourite team, you know, I, I love watching Cairns just because of that nostalgia and I've supported them after my Kings for a while now. But they've been putrid to watch lately, man. They've been really tough to watch. But the kind of, um, you know, heart they showed against the Kings, and I know we won last week, but they played with some heart. So I think the Cairns Taipans might take this. Adelaide's pretty bad as well. So, it's a I mean, lot of L's on there, isn't there? Jeez. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, I'll, um, say, I'll yeah, say Cairns if, as well. If, so yeah, I, I, if Taj yeah. is... Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say Cairns. Yeah, I've got more right. faith in them at the moment. When you've got one team on a five-game losing streak and one game, team on a four-game losing streak, it's kind of a race to the bottom, isn't it? I might be watching the AFL tomorrow night, seriously, rather than watch that one. But yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. All right, so then we sort of go to Saturday's games. This one's quite a good game, actually. So we've got um, the Jack Jumpers against the Hawks. Matt, what are your thoughts on, on that game? I reckon the Jack Jumpers, they're not going to make the playoffs, right? But I think they and probably New Zealand are the two teams that are going to be the teams that might swing games because I see those two teams as teams that are capable of beating the teams that are in finals contention. And we've seen, I mean, Tassie's got them a couple of times. I mean, that was that game in Illawarra where I think they made 22 three-pointers in that game. Mm, yep. I, I, I really love what Tasmania is doing for a first-year club. They've been that competitive. They've got an identity. And I don't know whether that's just Scott Roth or the imports or the way, but it all seems pretty cohesive. I think because that game is in Tassie, unfortunately it's in Launceston with the world's hardest rims. Mm. But oh, I, will, man. I, I, I will give that one to Tasmania. Yeah, and just let me just jump in there. For my Sydney Kings, it'll be good if the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers win that game. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm behind, right? So, yeah. Well, a bit of a segue there for you, Kingswood. So the next game is South East Melbourne. Uh, when is that one? That's on Saturday night. So that's a good game, that one. So that's, that's two pretty good games in a row there. So South East and Sydney there. Um, look, maybe I'll speak a little bit about that one, Woods. We all know you're going to pick Sydney and, and be a homer yep. there. But um, should mention as well, two weekends in a row where Sydney will be going to the airport. So I'm pretty proud of them for doing that. So not something we've seen a whole lot this season. But, um. Look, this is a tough one, isn't it? I mean, obviously, Sydney's the form team coming into it. Um, 
I don't know. I think it's probably going to depend on tonight's game a little bit, maybe, depending on how that goes. But um, I'm going to say the Kings to continue their run. That trio of, you know, Martin, Adams, and you know, now you've brought in, you know, the new import as well. I mean, they've got a dangerous Ian team Clark, on paper yep. there. Yeah, yeah, they've got a dangerous team. So I'll say the Kings. Um, what, are you, what are your boys' thoughts on that one? Look, well, um, I, know, I, know, I know what Woody's going to say. It's, yeah, uh, we'll skip. Yeah, well, the one thing I will just quickly mention is that Ryan Burkhoff is out for five weeks, okay? Yes. And yep. he hasn't been shooting the ball great, but he's been doing some great things defensively. He's been re- rebounding the great ball rebound. really well. Yep. Um, and we talk about how at the start of the season, everyone, Liam was coming on our show saying how deep that Southeast Melbourne team is. Uh, and we spoke about this last week. They're not really as deep as everyone is saying, right? Guys like Cam Glidden have been, haven't been stepping up. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, Matt, but um, I think they're very reliable. Lion are top heavy, actually, right? They're a strange team in that they're deep, but in two positions. In that mm. they've got they've got Liafa, they've got Kyle Adam, and they've got Mumford. All they all need the ball, and then yeah. Mitch Creek is kind of a facilitator at the four. So that's four guys that are probably offense initiators, and then you've got three guys who effectively are centers. Dane Pinot can't get on the floor. Mm. I don't know. Sydney are going to get going to run high on balls for Adams attacking. Joe Chi, that's not going to end well for South East Melbourne, let's be perfectly honest. So they're a strange team in that they're deep, but only in a couple of positions. Sure. In saying that, if you watch that game against Melbourne last week with the Phoenix, Phoenix were the better team for 30 out of the 40 minutes in that game, and probably should be. So yeah, totally. you know, there's, there's, totally, there's a form there. They're at home. They need this. They've lost a couple. And the Kings, look, they're going to lose every time you're on one of these big win streaks. What was it seven or nine? Or whatever seven, whatever seven, seven, seven. I always think you're one game closer to your next loss, sure. if you know what I mean. And I think mm. they're kind of due. So I think there's more at stake for South East Melbourne in this one. And watch this space. Xavier Cooks was not fit against Cairns. So he's, he's going to do a fitness test and um, him playing on what might dictate the result of this game as well. So yeah, uh, Good call, boys. Um, look, the next game, I don't think we'll spend a lot of time on. We've got Melbourne against Adelaide. Um, does anyone think Adelaide can sort of get within 10 points of Melbourne for this one? Nope. Nope. No. All right, we'll skip on to that. Okay, so we've got the Queensland Clash. Uh, have they got a name for that one, Woods? You're normally on top of these sort of things. I hate it, but it's the Sunshine Stash. Whoever came up with that, man, seriously, no, yeah. that sucks, Because AFL yeah. was what, the, the Q Clash or something I think I've got in the AFL. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah, ordinary, man. that one. Sunshine Stash, yeah. Who do we like for that one? Because Brisbane's quite beat up at the moment, aren't they? Sobey's obviously still out there. They're a strange team, Brisbane. You know, very sort of... Jekyll and Hyde, I think. I mean, someone like Robert Franks can just look like one of the best players in the league one week, and the next week he's just terrible. So, I don't know. Who do you guys like for that one? Oh, well, I, I guess Adam... Go there on, you go, Matt. There you go. I was going to say, I only think Brisbane because it's at home, but for no other reason necessarily. I also think that... I really like what... I'm not a big Jason Kadee fan generally, but I think the way he stepped up and run that team in the absence of Sobey. I think he's actually been really impressive. He's done a really, really nice job with them. Definitely. They look they're, they're not really in finals contention at this point, but there is, you know, there is there is a thing when you play a team from your other state and I am not sure Cairns are going to be a team that travels all that well for the rest of the season. Yeah, one thing I will say is Brisbane's played Cairns twice so far this season and lost both games and Cairns have only won I think four all year. So half of their wins have been against Brisbane. So maybe there's that there's that matchup thing there. So but uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good call, boys. Well, it comes to the last game of the round, and the Wildcats are back home and will be wearing red for the first time in, what is it, 13 or 14 games or something. So I'm really looking forward to sort of see how that crowd will come out for that game. They're going to be really sort of pumped up and everything like that. Hopefully it's not one of those sort of emotional letdowns, and obviously it is interesting. It is the, the rematch there against New Zealand. But, yeah, uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on that game? 
I reckon if there's ever going to be a sort of hangover flat game in this last nine that Perth's got, it's probably this one because mm. these guys have been back home and in their own beds for five days and seen their families and they're back on Perth time and so on and so forth. New Zealand's got nothing to lose at this point. I mean, you know, you're saying Perth being on a 14-game road trip. New Zealand's been on a two-year road trip. Yeah. So they've kind of got nothing to lose at this point. And they played about as well as you can play without winning a basketball game in the game yep. against Perth on Monday night. So they're not without a chance. Perth might be a little bit flat to start, but that crowd is... I mean, it's frothing at the mouth at the best of times. you imagine what it's going to be like over there, having not seen them play since mid-December? It's going to be huge. I'm looking forward to that one. So that's at a random time, isn't it? So that's sort of 5.30. I think West Coast runs straight after that. So for us, it's going to be a bit of a, a double there. And then you've got Grand Prix and everything as well. So big night, right? Uh, so I guess one thing I'll, yeah, one thing I'll quickly mention is that there's a rich history between the, the two ball clubs, New Zealand and Perth, over the years, and we saw it. Whenever New Zealand plays Perth, they find something, you know. So yeah. I think it's really fitting that New Zealand is a team that's going to be coming into town when you guys finally get to play a home game. I'm lucky. Yeah. I'm glad that Kirk Penny's not playing. I'll just say that. I feel a little bit oh, safer. I was literally about to say that. Every time I see New Zealand at Perth, I start getting a bit concerned that Kirk Penny might walk off the bus and drop thirty, like he did pretty much every time he went over there. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be an exciting round and um, hopefully some questions get answered with some of the results in these games um, as to how the top four is going to look like. I'd like to see a 3-2 with Perth and Sydney. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that would it. be nice, right? Yeah. Okay. Oof. Are you ready Matt, for this, you Matt? Can join, join me. Join me. For, for my favourite part of the show, right? I know okay, how and, uh, fired up you get about this, Woods. This is, this is the absolute highlight <laughs> of the week, I'm suggesting. Absolutely it is. And I thought, what am I going to do? Which, which pack am I going to open this week? And my favourite pack, I don't know if you heard our last episode, um, or our episode with the Sports Blokes, when we featured on their show, they asked us, which pack of cards did you know we start off life collecting cards? Mm. What was that nostalgic pack? And what did you say, Robbie? Well, I said the 88, 89 Fleer cards that Matt and I got on a holiday to LA one time that we yeah. found in a little shop there. But yeah, you're talking a couple of years after that, right? Yeah, Let's... so for me, it was a 1991 Hoops Pack. Hoops Pack, wow. right? Wow. Yeah? You remember these, Matt? Yeah, I right? do. Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. With the yeah. silver background and whatnot. Were you were you the yeah. same as Robbie? Was it, was that your first pack of cards you started collecting? I, I, I can't remember, to be honest. I know I didn't collect as many as he did. I was more... I, I was big on the Skybox ones for some reason. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know why I like I don't know why I like the Skybox ones. Maybe the cardboard was nicer or something. I don't know what it was, but it was some sort of tactile thing about the Skybox ones that I liked. For they were a bit different, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they well, were be, a bit, yeah. Well, before this episode, Rob, Robbie's like, do you have any Skybox cards left? I know my brother loves those. <laughs> <laughs> And we'd actually gone through all the Skybox ones. So, okay, let's see how good you are at guessing, right? Are you as good as your bro? We're about to find out. Okay. This guy, the original marksman, okay, um, had a lot of political opinions. Um, oh, Mahmoud Abdul Craig, 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 no, no. Craig Hodges. Yes, boy, man, Clinton, Craig Hodges. Hey, yeah. One Matt, go, zero Robbie. <laughs> did they not put him in? Did they not put him in the three-point contest one year when he didn't actually have a team? Mm, you just had a red jersey or a warm-up That's jacket or something like because, that. Yeah. Because I think he was a defending champion, but he yeah. wasn't on a roster at the time, if I remember rightly. It's yeah, yeah, bizarre. Yeah. I don't remember him with any other teams either. I don't know whether you boys do, but I only remember him with the Bulls. Mm. I think well, about that. he got sure. blackballed from the NBA for speaking mm. out, right? Yeah, he did. He sure um, did. David Stern made him go missing. Mm. Kind of like Alex Antetokounmpo getting to go into the skills judge. Jeez, who? Who's that? Yeah, exactly. Okay, this guy was the Phoenix Suns coach in the 90s. 
I remember him fondly. Um, you know, he... Hey, Woods, be careful, coach. You don't no, kill say, him off. Don't kill him off. I'm not going to say anything um, about him and what his status is right now, but, um, you know, he coached, I think, just before the Dan Marley and... and uh, uh, Charles Barkley, no, before that. Um, Cotton Fitzsimmons. Cotton uh, Fitzsimmons. Ooh, Great I'm going to check something while you're talking about that because he was pretty old, Woods. You might be... Oh, no. Um, yeah, he, he passed away quite a while ago, actually. 2004, he passed away. So yeah. I'll let you right. say that. I'll let yeah. you say wow. that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. He was, quite, he was an old coach at the time, though, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay, the greatest player to ever play the game. Okay. Luke Longley. Come on. Ron Harper. Got to be MJ, obviously, right? Michael Jordan. He's pulled the MJ car. What a great one there. His Ennis, man. Is that that him, like, dunking on about five New York players, like every other time (laughs) they play them? That's a Miami Heat player he's dunking on. Hey, what shows the back of the card? You know, I always like sort of seeing the back of those. So we've got the picture at the top. Oh, yeah. Very nice. That's great. Have we pulled a Jordan card before? We have. An all-star card from the same... An all-star one, yeah. No, no, actual... no 91-92 hoops, we got the all-star Michael <laughs> Jordan card. But this card oh, is yeah. probably worth, what, 10 bucks? Maybe. Yeah. Is it in good condition? Look after it's it. It's yeah. in mint condition, man. <laughs> nice. So that's pretty cool, man, to get an MJ that's card. Very cool. Very nice. Yeah, and I remember actually pulling this one back in the 90s, man. When, yeah. Uh, you know I love this centre. He only played for 10 years. Injuries ruined his career. But when you talk about the great centres in the 90s, we often sleep on this guy, right? He's now Matt into... Doherty. Yes! Matt Clayton is on fire. Brad Doherty. This, this is almost... Wow, look at that this is almost a setup by you because you've got a motorsport journal on. And I know, you know, I know. These days that he's alluded to NASCAR. That's stuff. It. So it's, it's, it's almost like you meant this. This is like this is like the frozen envelope in the, uh, the Patrick Ewing draft. It was in there waiting for me. And Matt, Patrick Ewing's on that card too, I think, is he? There you go. He is indeed. Yep. And Matt, that was really good because all, all I said is he had a 10-year career and we, when we talk about the great centers in, in, in that t- time period, we sleep on this guy and you got Brad Dawley straight away. So that's pretty hey, cool. Boys, you're not looking to replace me next week, are you? Oh, my yeah. God. That's, that's... That, that Cleveland team was one of those ones. It was just a, a really good team at an unfortunate time. They mm. were stacked, weren't they? Ron Harper, Definitely. obviously. Mark Price. Larry Nance, senior. They were a great team. Definitely. Now, this guy, and shout-out to my homeboy, KG. You know, I know you're out there, Kanchi, and uh, you, this is your nickname, all right? So, left-hander, okay? Um, Big he, smooth. He's been on, he's been on uh, the starters many times. Uh, 1990 lottery pick. Insert oh, card. Okay. No. No. Sorry, what, sorry, what draft did you say? 1990 lottery pick, okay? Left-hander, oh, guard, okay. uh, yeah, guard, you know, guard forward, you know. Um, he was on the, I'm pretty sure, now that's J.R. JR Reed that was on the 88 Olympic team. No, not, not him, but his teammate at Charlotte, okay? Um, Lee Ellis loves this guy. He's on the starters quite often. KG is his initials. Left-hander. I think he's yeah, left-handed. Oh, you're throwing us if he's not. Come on, you got to be sure. Uh, maybe that. he's right-handed. No, I don't know. Yeah, no, maybe he's right-handed. I'm, I'm just thinking of left-handed Charlotte players now, so I'm completely down a rabbit hole. Go on, what do you got? Oh, Kendall. Kendall. Yeah. You're right, Lee Ellis left him. Oh, is that a rookie card too? Yeah, it is. I like that. Yep. What, what? I, I'm thinking that he was right-handed. Well, yeah, yeah, he might have been. His, his preferred dunk mm. was like a two-foot two plant left-handed. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I just remember him throwing down those dunks with his mm. left hand all the time, so maybe I got that wrong. But, yeah, mm. one oh, of my favourites. 
It was nice good, suit, wasn't too. it? Yep, Lovely yep. Suit. Hey, Woods, that's someone we like from that era that I don't think either of us have a jersey of as well, right? Oh, man, I've wanted a Kendall Gill jersey it's on your list, right? so long, man, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I'll get Robert Pack one day and you can get that, eh? Okay, so when you talk about the Portland Trailblazers, okay, you talk about big men, okay? Um, and you Kevin! Rest in peace. Duckworth! Indeed. Nice, and we spoke when Andrew Gaze was on the show, former teammate of um, Gaze when they were in Washington, wasn't yep. he? So yep. He was yep. a, a skilled player, wasn't he? He had some good sort of, you know, low post presence there, but yeah, RIP to the big man. And Drew, he talked yeah. about, you know, how good a person he was. Mm. As you'll recall, so yeah. Is that him going up against a very young Divats or something? Yeah, like it's like no one Bloody else that beard. Bloody there. Okay. He was going to yeah, flop, yeah. I think, about a second after that photo was taken. <laughs> okay, this is just an unbelievable pack. Okay, all right. So we're talking about Indiana Pacers. We're talking about uh, one of the great international players, who's another great center from that era, along with Brad Doherty, that we sleep on a lot. Yeah. Seven foot four, dunking Dutchman. Rick Smith. Give he, would me another, made, he would have made that free throw too, I reckon. All right, boys, give me another Dutchman that's played in the NBA. Oh, Gert Hammock. Okay, give me another one, more recently. Oh, who was that one that played in the early noughties, the, the dark guy? Francesco um, Elson. Yes. That's, yes, Francesco yep. Elson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That's right. De- Denver Nuggets. Yep, nice. and, and San Antonio and a few mm-hmm. other teams yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. Yep. Okay, when you talk about Twin Towers, okay, you talk about Hakeem Olajuwon and... Ralph. Ralph Sampson. Oh, man, for the Kings. Yeah, wow. for the Kings. Wow. wow. He wasn't yeah, that, in the league much longer after that, was he? I don't think he's... No, that was that second part of his career where if you, he's got the most random basketball reference page, that guy, because pre-injury and post-injury, it's like it's a different player. Like yeah. When he was at Houston, he was unbelievable. Then he What's his hurt. height listed on this? Seven, seven foot seven four. four. Wow. He was skilled too, wasn't he? Well, in the 1989-90 yeah, season, he averaged 4.2 points a game and just... Five years before, he was putting up 21 and, and 12 or something He'd like that. He'd shoot threes yeah. if he was playing in today's era. He was skilled yeah. enough that he could learn that sort of outside shot. But, wow, yeah, that's incredi- a good one. Incredibly talented guy. So, like, so many of those massive guys from that era, they just didn't really last very long, did they? No, yeah, yeah. definitely right. Good you think someone like, someone like Blake Griffin, who had that kind of before and after injuries in the new era, it's a, it's a, yeah. it's an apt comparison, right? So, yeah. Um, okay, come on, man. Like, this is a good pack, right, Woods? Yes. Yeah, it's it's an unbelievable pack. It's no, getting no even... Brian Quinnettes or anything coming up, or John Coffey or one of those guys? No, or... it's getting even better. Okay, <laughs> Charlotte Hornets, right? And we've pull, pulled this guy's card before, and he just got sick of people pronouncing his name one way, so he just changed the spelling of his name. Okay, and I've spoken about him before. Charlotte Hornets, pretty sure he spent some time with the New Jersey Nets, right? And he just changed his name because he just got sick and tired of people spelling it the wrong way. Not Armin Gilliam. Armin yeah. Gilliam. Uh, but so before I'm, he was Armon Gilliam. I'm coming back on the pod next week at this hey, rate. These, yeah. these are pretty good clues, though, guys. you got to admit, yeah, right? I like right. it. All right. If you said French name, that would have been good, too. I might have got it if you said that. Okay. Oh, so <laughs> you talk about the arguably the greatest dunker of all time. I'm pulled his rookie card, all right? Mate, if you don't say Dominic, I'm walking out of the room. Arguably the greatest dunker of all time. Who would, who would you put in that conversation? In-game dunkers. Sean Kemp. That's a rookie card too, isn't it? It's a rookie card. Mate, Rain there's, man. There's some value in this pack. A Sean Kemp rookie card, a Kendall Gill rookie, and then Michael Jordan. Wow. i got to give a shout-out to my boss, Aaron French. He loves Sean Kemp, and he lost his Sean Kemp jersey many, many years back. And for Christmas, I bought him a brand new Sean Kemp jersey. So, Aaron, got the Sean Kemp rookie card right here, right? And hey, cool. shout out to Bob as well from our, our fantasy comp, Woods. He'll be yeah, happy with that. for sure, Bob. 
Shout out to you. Right, you, I know you love this guy, and you both you both shooters, right? You know, you both live from outside the key. In fact, you know, Robbie barely takes a shot from outside the key, from <laughs> from inside the key. And I, I don't think Matt. What about you? Do you ever you 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 be the same? Yeah, more or less by the end of my career, I wasn't going inside that three-point line. Ah, yeah, Robbie very rarely does. So when you talk about the great marksman of all time, okay? No, 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 come on, man. His teammate, all right? His teammate. The Rifleman. The Rifleman, baby. One of my favorites. I know, man. This is ridiculous. This is the best pack we've ever got with Matt. Oh, my God. I was actually thinking about the Rifleman the other day, and definitely he's going to be one that I'm I'm showcasing on a future episode because you know I've got his jersey, and I might have a bobblehead somewhere of him too. So, yeah. Awesome. Great player. Old old school Pacers jerseys too. Oh, they're awesome, Hey, Matt, do you remember watching that game together at Boston Garden? The one where Larry Bird banged his head, and I think Chuck Person was going off as well in that game. I remember that, that really clearly watching that with you there yeah Bird, Bird came back out of the tunnel and then just completely took over in the second yeah, half probably told everyone about it too yeah uh, yeah knowing Bird yeah absolutely <laughs> okay a 6 foot 5 guard from San Antonio I'm pretty sure he spent some time well most of his early part of his career at Milwaukee in fact Alvin I know Robinson. he did no 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 Ooh. okay and this guy was like a, a spark plug off the bench later on in his career always was a, he got better as his career moved on alright Kyle Ellis no hmm Went to, went to Texas Western. Um, what number? Jersey number? Number eight. Paul Pressey? Paul mm. Pressey. Nice. Well done, Maddie. Very good. Okay, this is a I haven't thought about for a while. Mm. For this, sure. Was that his son that played for the Celtics? It had to be, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I think yeah. it was. Yeah, it yeah. was. All right, man. I got a checklist card. Oh. But, like... It's got Charles Barkley on the front of it. Hey, were these the ones with Liam when you had the... Is it Larry Bird and you ripped it up, a checklist? Yep. I have well, to rip if, it up. Mate, if you ripped it up for Liam, you rip it up for Matt as well, so... Um, I mean, we have to, that's the rule, right? It's a rule. Oh, I think I just saw the name Mike Jeminski on the back of that car. That's nice. not someone I thought of for a while. Or his mullet. Yeah, yeah. Rick, yeah you did. <laughs> anyway, it's in pieces now. Go on. Go on. It's gone. Oh, what, a, what a pack. Nice, two more to go. All right. Okay, we got the Blazers win in overtime, NBA Finals at one all. Okay, you remember this? 106, 105. This is the year before. So, Detroit, Clyde Drexler hits two free throws with 2.1 seconds left in the overtime period to lift Portland to 106, 105 win over Detroit. You remember this? Remember the series, definitely. Was it it the only game they won in that series? Might have been, might not. Yeah. I didn't remember Detroit. Detroit won that game on Portland's home floor, if I remember. They won that series on Portland's home Dumas floor. had a great series, didn't he, that time? He did. Yeah, incredible yeah. series. I've got to be honest, you guys are a little bit older than me. My first series I ever watched was that first Bulls title, right? Mm-hmm. Lakers yeah, versus okay. Bulls. So this would have been the year before, just um, when Detroit won, right? Yeah. 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 Very young, very young Drazen Petrovic on that mm. uh, Portland team as well. Is a name from the past. Bit of Jerome yeah. Kersey and all those guys back in the day. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And finally, okay, sorry, go on, Matt. No, great, no, Hawk or Clipper card. Yeah, no, and we got one. Easily the best we've had. And I sort of save this for last, right? <laughs> We're talking about a guard who's just moved into coaching, all right? Um, had a huge influence in our lives in terms of our team, Rob. Um, Talk, st- no, no. No, started, um, started off, at, uh, he, he was teammates of the, of, uh, of the Rain Man and Gary Payton and, and all well, those guys. Nate, number 10. Nate McMillan. Very good. Wow. He was a bit chunky back in the day, wasn't he? Yeah, he was one of those point guards at a real sort of, you know, defensive first point guard, wasn't he? He wasn't, wasn't a bad scorer. I think he just didn't really sort of shoot it much and was the facilitator and amazing defender. So, 
yeah, I'm liking what he's he's done with the Hawks. I know this year's been a bit up and down, but the guy can definitely coach. Yeah, you talk about a guy who whose stats don't always the score sheet doesn't always reflect how much of an impact that he had on the game. Yep. Nate McMillan was one of those guys, right? And no, and no surprise he ended up in coaching because he was one of those classic coach on the floor type players, wasn't yep. he? Yeah, for sure, yep. for sure, for sure. Mm. All right, so it's been fun, right, guys? You're going to be putting right. some of these cards on eBay tonight, Woods, I can tell already. <laughs> he, he might not be back next week. He might be on the Bahamas or something. <laughs> now, honestly, man, I've had a lot of fun doing a lot of episodes. This has been really great to chop it up. I mean, I've got to chop it up with one Perth guy every week. Now, I've got to chop it up with two Perth guys. I've got to chop it up with two Claytons. You guys are like family, man. So um, it's been really nice to be able to do this with you too, man. So appreciate it. Both of you. No, no it's been fun, guys. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Definitely. Terrific, terrific. So a little bit of housekeeping, Rob. Do you want to, Robbie, do you want to tell the guys a little bit about, um, or the audience a little bit about where we can be found and all yeah, that? Yeah, of course, mate. So on Twitter, we're at Throwbacks Hoops, as Woody always said, with the S. With the um, S, So yep. Instagram, we're throwback.hoops. Um, of course, our email address is throwbackhoopspodcast at gmail.com. So feel free to send sort of any questions there, jersey requests. We know we've got some um, viewer questions sort of um, building up a bit, as Woody mentioned a, a week or so ago. So we will get to those. Um Woody, what about your TikTok and your, your Patreon details? Yeah, so Patreon is, is um, it's nice if you can support us on Patreon. Just jump on Patreon and look for Throwback Hoops. Um, if you can pledge your support to us, we'd really appreciate it. Um, and then TikTok, Woody underscore V83. Sorry, I've been a little bit dormant lately on my TikTok. Lots been going on in life and I haven't had time. But usually I go on there and showcase the jerseys we have um, on the show. And um, uh, yeah, so if you just jump on TikTok and and, and click the YouTube link, you'll get to the Throwback Hoops YouTube channel. Um, and yeah, as I mentioned earlier in the show, wherever you listen to your podcast, please do subscribe. So Matt, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about, um, you know, where they can follow your podcast and um, your Twitter, whatever, man, your chance for a plug. Oof. Uh, one of those things at the moment, I'm spitting a few plates because we've got uh, an Australian Formula One Grand Prix in this country for the first time in three years. So I think I'm attempting to do about three years worth of work in the next three weeks. So it's going to be one of those periods. But uh, as always, I don't know there's much cross-pollination between basketball and Formula One listeners. But if there is, uh, you can listen to In the Fast Lane on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts, as I will say on the show every week. But uh, we've just ticked over... 100 episodes a couple of weeks ago and the exciting part for us is at the Australian Grand Prix this year we are doing a live show uh, one hour a day on stage at the live show with many guests uh, international and local guests coming up on stage and we're going to be on air for one hour a day for four straight days with no script and no safety net so uh, what could go wrong it's going to be great fun <laughs> sounds fun yeah thanks Matt and it's nice to see yet one of my uh, fellow countrymen in fact from from my not far from where I was born, Karun Chandok, on, on your show recently, man. That was Karen's awesome. Been on. Karen's yeah. great guy. Great yeah, guy. Awesome, good. man. Yep. So good to see. Um, no, it's been really fun, guys. Any final thoughts before we uh, Hey, Woods, things? I've got to say, I'm leaving in about 10 minutes for one of those lovely 10 o'clock basketball games that we play in. So I know you're going to miss the game with that finger injury. But, yeah, wish us luck. 10 o'clock game, brutal, but what can you do? But no, I just wanted to say a real big thanks to Matt for coming on. Um, we've obviously sort of been looking forward to this one for a while. I reckon we might be able to get him back as on a future episode there, Woods, if we ask nice enough, but no, it's been really fun today. Yep, and Matt, before I throw over to you for some final thoughts, I'd, I'd like to thank you for all the support and feedback you've given us, Robbie and me getting into this, um, having someone with your experience who was able to you know, impart your knowledge and 
and and uh, and help us doing this. It's meant a lot and, and, and really helped us get to where we are today. So hopefully we can get to 100 episodes like you in the not-too-distant future, man. Well, Definitely. you guys are catching up. I just love the fact that you guys have come up with a concept and you've gone through with it and see it through. The concept's the easy bit. It's taking it to the finish line and actually getting it out there. That's the hard bit. But uh, you guys are uh, powering on week by week. So uh, long may it continue. Good stuff. And Woods, just a final thought from me. Um, okay. A bit of a, a bit of a teaser. In two weeks' time, we have a former Sydney Kings captain Ooh, coming on the show. Yes, so yes. that's the only clue I'm giving. Former Sydney Kings captain. Keep tuning in to find out who that is. I'm hosting that show, right? Oh, of course. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right, man. Much love, everyone. We'll see you all next week. Peace out, guys. Peace. 